Welcome to Tripod, our travel retail themed podcast series in collaboration with the Steva Group. I'm Martin Moody. I'm Roger Jackson. Nice to be back with you, Roger. And we've got a very special and very timely guest to introduce in a moment. But as always, uh, I'm going to hand over to you to talk about your issue of the week. I think the topic I'd have spoke about this week, Martin, would be the TFWA uh, trade show that's going to be in Cannes in less than 45 days now. But given the fact we have got uh, Jaya Singh from Mondelay World Travel with us today, who also is the president of the TFWA, rather than me giving you my uh, personal views on it, why don't I ask him the direct question that you know everyone wants to know? And I think we should get him in and you know have a chat with him directly. What do you think? I couldn't agree more, Roger. So let's get on with the show. So this episode's special guest is Jaya Singh, the Managing Director, Mondelez World Travel Retail, European Export in Switzerland, a key role within the world confectionery and snacking giant's vast portfolio. Now, Jaya has had a long and distinguished career with Mondelez, much of it, of course, in the duty-free and travel retail sector, a channel he has a great passion for since entering it way back in 1997, and to which he has given a tremendous amount. And an important element of that contribution has been his involvement in key trade associations. Among other roles, Jaya is a past board member and president of the Asia Pacific Travel Retail Association, ATRA. And of course, since 2020, has been president of Tax-Free World Association, TFWA, of course. And we're going to be talking to him today about both his day job, as it were, probably day and night, knowing about, and his TFWA leadership role. So, Jaya, wonderful to have us with you, uh, with us today. Welcome to Tripod. Thank you. Thank you, Martin. It's first, Roger. It's a real pleasure to be here. Great. All right. Well, Roger, I'm going to let you kick off proceedings as usual. Let's get underway. Hey, Jaya, great to have you on. Um, and thank you for agreeing to do this with us. I'm going to probably start from the start, actually, which is I believe your father was Indian, but based yes. in Singapore, your mother yes. Chinese. Tell us a bit about that family background, uh, you know, the way you were raised and the way you grew up and those influences that I'm sure still impact you today. Yes, yes, um, you're absolutely right in terms of the genealogy. Uh, um, indeed, my, my father was Indian and uh, my mother, she's still, bless her heart, you know, 95 years old, she, she's, uh, she's Chinese. Um, my father actually um, came, right, to, to Singapore when he was 14 years old, got put on a boat. Um, with his elder brother uh, in search of the better life because uh, the family came from a poor village in the north of India. And my, uh, my, my mother, um, you know, my grandfather on her side, right, came from China. They went to East Malaysia and from East Malaysia, which is uh, Sarawak and Sabah, she found a way to Singapore. And um, they met uh, when they were working in a hospital. I come from very, very humble uh, backgrounds. Uh, my mom was, an, uh, was a nurse and my, my father is an, um, was an assistant in, uh, in the laboratory in the same hospital. And that's how 
how they met and uh, how I was, I guess, later on conceived into this big ugly thing that you see in front of you nowadays. <laughs> um, I think, you know, the, the growing up years were extremely interesting because uh, if, if I look back, you know, this was after World War II. And uh, it was a time where the Japanese occupation was a very real fact of life. So people who went through that came out with a, a mindset of real prudence and uh, frugality and hard work, you know, really appreciating the things that they have a simple bowl of soup or rice on the table, which they never had, you know, on a regular basis during uh, the Second World War. And that really was very much, you know, uh, uh, the environment and the mindset of my parents that I, I, I was raised, uh, you know, under. And I'm truly appreciative of that. The other thing really is that, you know, in those days, you know, an Indian marrying a Chinese and a Chinese uh, marrying an Indian, um, it's totally unheard of. And it was always frowned upon interracial marriages, uh, and everything. And what did that really mean for, for me is that I, I never got to know anybody on my father's side of the business, obviously the business of the family, because uh, he got thrown out. And on, my, uh, and, and on my mother's side, she being Chinese, and um, uh, she got thrown out as well. So I, I, I know very few people on my uh, mother's side of the family in terms of cousins and uh, uncles and everyone. Uh, the only ones I know were the aunts who her sisters who took kindly to her and, uh, you know, helped support her during those difficult times. So I grew up in the period where I understood that, uh, you know, differences in, in life are real, prejudices are real. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, for want of a better word, you know, the very real uh, impact of uh, being rejected. Uh, but, you know, at the end, those are valuable, valuable lessons you learn in life. It can harden you, it can make you bitter, or it could make you wiser and more sensitive to the things that we see in the world today. And I chose the other past. Uh, you know, I chose to forgive. I chose to, to move on um, and all within the umbrella of prudence and frugality. So those were the years uh that i am in the background and you know they always also believed that the only way out for them was for their children to have an education yeah. so whatever little money that they 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 had they saved and everything and uh and then at the end of that when i was due to go to university in, in the uk they said this is all we have you know uh, and the rest is down to you and they sent me out to the uk and they fulfilled their dream of having a their only son being educated because that was the key towards a, a better life that they never really had. And what was your first big break then in business, Jaya? You said moving to the UK. How, how did it sort of start for you at first? Um, well, first big break was in business was actually uh, when I came back to Singapore when I was uh, 32 years old. You know, and the reason why I I came back to Singapore when I was 32 years old because I was uh, I didn't have any intention of ever coming back to Singapore because of the, the things of the past. Let me put it this way, and uh, I I thought that you know trying to start in a new life in the UK would probably be the answer. 
but the visa ran out, so I was uh, had no choice but to come back to Singapore. And boy, I'm glad the visa ran out, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 I, I met some and I but you know I'll I'll tell you as it is uh, Roger and, and and you Martin and it's up to you guys to to select whatever you want huh? uh, because I thought about this and I said I'll just be honest and give you you know the the whole thing as it is huh? so I came back to Singapore completely lost uh, without a penny in my bank you know uh, and and jobless at thirty two. Um, and that's where I found uh, and discovered Christianity. And Martin knows I'm a, I'm a Christian and I believe in Jesus. And uh, that changed my life. Um, and uh, I started going to church. And I went to church, I met somebody in church and they said, there's a guy that's looking for a job, uh, for somebody to take a job in a company called Jakob Sushad. And, and uh, I've recommended your name. And I met this guy, and that's how I got my first break in business uh, without any job experience. He just took a liking to me, and he said, "You know, I like your character. I think you know. I think you've got the drive. You work hard. You know. You certainly speak with conviction, and you certainly believe in what you're saying." And he gave me a chance, and uh, my first job was actually a regional manager with no experience before in Sushad, and that was the break. It's amazing. Um, yeah. It's lovely to hear how uh, you know, people still take risks on people. Yeah. Uh, Jaya, I was talking to somebody um, who's got an 18 year old son, a relative, yes. and they were saying to me, like, How do you even get a break now, especially in a COVID world? Yes. And I was saying, to her, I just think it's important that everybody needs a risk taking on them at some point. Yes. I definitely have that a couple of times in my life. <laughs> Um, and I think it's important we pass that on as well. So it's great to hear that you had a similar, that somebody took that, you know, risk and that yes. of faith in you and it just shows it pays off. Yes. And it's a lesson. It's, it's, it's something which I take with me to this day, because at the end, um, it's not so much the credentials that you see on a piece of paper, although that's an important consideration. It's not so much also the tremendous experience that one has. But, you know, when you when you meet some people in life and you sense there is character and there is desire, right? And, you know, you cannot really articulate that. But these are the X factors that in the long-term average of life will make a difference. I think it's always worthwhile to open the doors for these people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then leading on to coming into travel retail. Yes. Um, I know most of your career has ended up being in this fantastic channel that we yes. all call home. Um, tell us how that happened and also how you feel travel retails evolved. Uh, yes. You know, both, I guess, post-COVID and also uh, before COVID as well. Yes. Um, I, I, as Martin, uh, you know, uh, said earlier on, you know, I, I joined travel retail um, based in Singapore in Asia um, at the end of 1997. Um, and I was, uh, you know, asked to look after the fledgling business in Asia Pacific at that time. You know, uh, it wasn't a huge business. You know, it was just a business that was coming along its way. And uh, and prior to that, I was in Sushad, you know, as mentioned, but, you know, Sushad had been bought over by 
Philip Morris. We were part of Philip Morris before. Philip Morris owned Kraft, owned General Foods, and now owned Jakob Sushard, and they put it all together under the name of Kraft. And years later, you know, as multinationals go along, we became on the lease and were no longer part of uh, Philip Morris. So I was on the domestic business in uh, Southeast Asia for uh, the company then. And uh, uh, Martin knows this gentleman called Marcus Gerber, right? And uh, uh, he was the pioneer in our travel retail business, in the Toblerone business. He's actually the father of our our business in Montelis. And I, I, to this day, I continue to give him credit. You know, he is the founder and pioneer. Uh, and he, again, he took a liking towards me and asked me whether I'd be interested in uh, working for him. Although, you know, uh, he was based in Zurich, but he wanted somebody on the ground in, in, in uh, Singapore and in Asia. And I said, yeah, why not? You know, I'll give it a shot. Yeah. Haven't left since. <laughs> That's amazing, Joe. That's that's nearly a quarter of a century ago. Um, yeah. Some highlights of the journey along the way. Yes, I think you know it's 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 been a journey of continuous discovery, and it's also been a con, uh, a journey of continuous change. And I'll, I'll give you a couple of examples. You know. Um, I joined it at the end of uh, 1997, as I was saying, then lo and behold, in 1998, you know, uh, the Asian financial crisis hit, <laughs> uh, hit us, you know, and that was in, you know, and thankfully, in retrospect, it was contained within Asia at that time. So valuable learnings for the industry, really, and it, when it came to uh, uh, the need for financial prudence, uh, discipline at all times, because, you know, up until then, the duty-free industry, as it was then known as, right, you know, was just riding on the wave of increasing success because of the whole expansion in air, air travel as well as airport infrastructure. It was a growth industry, you know, and everybody just, you know, thought and felt that uh, that would go on forever. So that was the first thing that changed in terms of... Uh, you know, uh, the realization that, you know, we, we've got to be appreciative of what we have today, mindful of what could go wrong, but continue, right, to offer things that are different from uh, what uh, consumers and shoppers would find in the domestic construct, as they say. And then, when, and then we had, um, you know, the, uh, uh, the war in the Middle East, right? Uh, and then we also had the abolition of duty free in 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 Europe in 1999, and that was for me that was a tectonic shift, and the tectonic shift, in my uh, opinion, was a shift in mindset. What it then right uh, transformed was not an industry that existed on the basis of duty differentials, okay. But the need, right, to bring in differentiation based on unrelenting innovation that would make that point of difference, right, versus the domestic market that will ensure that this industry continues to be the beacon of light when it comes to innovation in all forms, be product, be it packaging, be it engagement, be it communication, be it retail theater, be it airport theater, the whole lot, you know. And I think, you know, that shift has been a real positive one because we continue to see the benefits of that today, right? I think 
you know, there's an old saying that goes that necessity is the mother of invention. And that holds true. And that holds true. And then, you know, later on, we had 9 11 uh, and the tectonic shocks that it uh, brought to the security of travel and the security which we took uh, for granted at airports. Uh, I think, again, that lends itself into the realization that, you know, we must be mindful of the tomorrows, right? Whilst being judicious and prudent today. Um, and that's so important because these are values that not only uh, are important to business, but I, I personally believe that, you know, are important to one's life as well, you know, and, and these are values that hold true. Um, and then so many things have evolved and changed over time, but I, 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 I conclude by saying that, you know, this industry was born out of difference that was pre, uh, based on a financial duty-free mechanism, right? But this industry has evolved so much on the basis of differentiation in all aspects that I've mentioned, and it will continue to do so. It is a unique channel. It is a channel that is filled with entrepreneurship, filled with innovative uh, capabilities and expressions right in, on uh, on the shop floor for want of a better word and in airports and with airlines right that is never seen uh, cannot be seen anywhere else in my humble opinion that, that's how it's evolved today it's taken what i call a uh, much needed and enforced pause i think again you know that is another milestone in the realization that we must be mindful of what we have today right mindful of what could happen tomorrow and uh, it's just a yet another example and uh, what will come out of this what will come out of this is not a recovery what i believe will come out of this right is a new wave of expression in all the areas that i've mentioned and that is the opportunity for all of us to come together to set this industry and this channel apart because we've always had one thing that that, that, that is unique, right? We've had the ability to continuously reinvent ourselves. Well, those virtues, the virtues of reinvention and all the virtues you mentioned earlier on around that nice phrase you used, the beacon of light, I would say they've never been in, in greater need than right now as we we start to emerge, Jaya, I suppose, from the, definitely the most sustained and brutal of all those many crises that you mentioned. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So, Jaya, um, I'm going to come on to your philosophy towards life and business. And you've already said um, that you're a man of faith, so I'll draw you a little on that. But first, I just want to digress, listening to your deep and dulcet tones. You know, I've always said to you, I think from the first time I heard you speak, you know, I think it was a Singapore conference or Hong Kong yeah. conference. I wish there was a great orator you are. I think it partly is the voice, um, but very much it's the delivery as well. Where did that all come from? Well, you know, I think, I think um, uh, conviction uh, is an outcome of belief. And if you believe in what you are saying, and then I think the natural outcome would be to articulate it uh, 
in a natural way, but you know, underpinned by that uh, conviction. And what do I mean by that? You know, if you don't believe in what you're saying, don't say anything. <laughs> right? And if you don't have the conviction in what you are going to say, right, don't say anything. But consider, you know, uh, uh, things uh, carefully in the light of what's really going on. And the other thing also in terms of considering is that, you know, somebody told me many years ago, you know, try to listen to what the heart of the other person is saying rather than what's coming out of the mouth, right? What do I mean by that? Uh, I think it is important that in that communication and all that, you know, it is an inclusive form of communication that touches on the hearts of people on things that are uh, that matter to all. So it is about, you know, communicating about the community needs, the greater needs of which one is a part of, and not my belief, my way, my viewpoint. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll look forward to hearing those oratory uh, abilities <laughs> and skills very soon, because you've got an important speech uh, to make at the Cannes show this year, which we're going to touch on in a moment, Jaya. But just um, quickly sum up for me, if you will, if you can, your overall philosophy to life and business, and does faith come into those? Yes, it does, uh, very, very much clearly, because, um, you know, uh, you talk about light, right? And I think that's so important. So why is it important? I, I believe that in all things that we do, one has to be transparent. Secondly, also, I believe that, you know, tell the truth at all times speak the truth. It may not be nice, but it is the truth, right? Um, and there's a there's saying in the, in the good book, they say, you know, the truth will always set you free, as they say. And then the third thing really is work hard, work hard. You know, that's, a, that, that's an ethic. Um, you know, you meet so many people who are superbly intelligent, Right, um, but they don't have, you know, that tremendous work ethic like you have, Martin. You've got a, you've got a fantastic combination of uh, superb intelligence and hard work. You know, now if you have intelligence without, you know, uh, the work ethic, uh, chances are you won't accomplish much. <laughs> you know, if you have the work ethic without the intelligence, you get on in life. There will be a place for you in life. No worries about that. You know. But if you are able to harness that intelligence with a tremendous work ethic and speak the truth all the time without compromising on it, you have the ability then to change and impact other people's lives. And that's how value is added. And I think that's so important. That's my philosophy. It's what you contribute rather than what you take out of it. And it's about, you know, uh, living a life by example, rather than just, uh, you know, speaking the words, as they say. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure your family experience, your, your mother and father's experience really shaped that work yeah. to a significant extent. <laughs> it it did very much indeed. It did very much indeed. Yeah. Jaya, you've, um, you've mentioned about a few individuals actually already. Um, who would you class as your biggest mentors? Who's had the biggest impact on your career? 
Um, and I guess some of those might be outside of work as well, especially when you talk about spirit, spirituality as well. Yes, um, it's a very good question, uh, Roger. And the thing is that, again, you know, it's, it's, again the home, home was a very difficult place because at the end, you know, the, you know my, uh, mom and dad were there together, but, you know, it was a very contentious relationship. So it was difficult um, to, you know, uh, let me put it to say, home was a loud place every night. <laughs> and, and, and you know, I would find my shelter in, in a quiet spot in my room, just to try to get away from it all, as they say. But <laughs> but I did notice one thing, despite the difficulties. You know, my mom had a tremendous work ethic. She had a tremendous work ethic, and uh, she would wake up first thing in the morning, make sure that we have food to eat. Even though she was working as a nurse, she would cook and make sure that we had lunch if she was on the afternoon shift, right? She would come back in the evening, make sure that, you know, uh, dinner was ready. And, and despite having to work as a nurse, which is, a, you know, which, which just has a, has a heavy workload, let's put it this way. Yeah? And I looked at that and and um, actually, you know, you know, she, she was the, the believer in our family, you know, she was the Christian, my father wasn't, and, you know, she would always, you know, bang into my head, and because she was always banging into my head, in my head, I said, forget it, I'm buying none of that, you know, and I rejected that for a long time, but I discovered, again, you know, through some personal experience, uh, you know, that uh, Christ is real, you know, and it all made sense to me. So that's that's one thing. The other the other thing that guides me all the time really is uh, is is this you know the good book you wow. know and there there there's there's so many ref I'm not a perfect individual don't get me wrong I, I I am as fallen as they come right I'm as fallen as they come. I don't know about <laughs> that, John. <laughs> I think, Martin. They get a lot, I think they get a lot worse. Jay, I, I think me and you need to spend some more time together. <laughs> and Martin knows I can really knock him back when I'm in the mood. <laughs> but that's that's the guiding principle that I use, you know, uh, foundations of truth and righteousness, you know, justice and equality. You cannot have justice without equality. You cannot have equality without justice. And henceforth, you know, that comes in from my Indian Chinese background and the inequalities and the injustice that came with it. So I found, you know, the answers that I was looking for. And that's been my inspiration, uh, really, more than anything else. There have been people along the way uh, that God has said at the right moment, um, you know, to, to speak the right things and to show me the right things, uh, you know, but that there are a couple of them as well. I know that when I was a student in, uh, in London and I, I hadn't eaten two days because money was short, um, uh, I, I just started walking around, knocking on doors uh, in a restaurant, and, uh, trying to say, can I get some work? And there was a couple, um, we were running a Malaysian Indonesian restaurant down in Soho, and I uh, knocked and I said, "Listen, um, can I have a job?" You know, and they gave me a job, and that was so important to me because, although it meant going to school in the day and working nights and weekends, I never had a summer holiday. To be honest with you guys, you know, because it was just an opportunity to work to get money for the next semester, as they say, and you know uh, that sustained me. So those two people were. Uh, really, really big influence in my life because they gave me the break uh, in terms of making sure that, you know, I didn't starve to death, as they say. <laughs> I never forget them. The other one uh, is, that's a great influence on my life is my wife. 
Uh, my wife, you know, she's a Bible teacher. She she works in uh, 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 she used to work in church full time. That's where I met her. She was uh, a, a member of staff, a pastor. But you know, she her first language is in Mandarin Chinese. My wife is Chinese as well. And lo and behold, look what happened. Um, and she was uh, ministering to the Chinese church. And even today, right, she shares with groups of people. Um, the word, the word of God, and offers them hope, and uh, you know brings healing to situations where you know things are impossible. Um, helps op- uh, uh, people to understand the meaning and purpose of life. That uh, you take nothing with you, uh, and what you, what's most important is what you leave behind, and what you leave behind is not material. Uh, things like that, and uh, I look up to her for that because she's passionate about that. She's really dedicated about that, and more importantly, right, I see transform lives uh, because she has uh, ministered in that way, and I'm truly, truly blessed and and and, and appreciated that I'm a life partner. Thirty-one years of marriage, by the way. Thirty-one wow. years of marriage. Congratulations. And, yeah, <laughs> and uh, I'm I'm a blessed man that way. Nice story. Moving on to present day, uh, Jaya, and I guess TFWA, you know, we're going to be in uh, the south of France in less than four days. You know, obviously I'm somebody that's been in uh, travel retail over 15 years myself. I was the general manager at the Asio Travel Retail. And for years, everybody used to say to me, I just wish one of the brand owners would go for the presidency and run for election. Uh, And no one did. And then you you did. Um, so I guess what made you go for it, and then secondly, what are your what are your ambitions? Yeah, I, you know, I, I never I, I never thought, if I, you know, I never thought that you know, it's a nice uh, fact that you point out no brand owner went for it, but you know, um, I, you know, you one when you give your life to something that you believe in for all the reasons that uh, I mentioned at uh, at the at the beginning of our chat, you know. And when you go through all the different shocks and crises that the industry has, has gone through, um, you know, I, I reached the point where I said, you know, listen, you know, of all the shocks and the issues and challenges that the industry has gone through over this, the years, right, this is the biggest one so far. It's, it's, there, there, there is no playbook. There is no playbook, right, that is available on how to proceed and address the current situation. There is no playbook. The playbook is being written out today as each individual experience and each individual individual person, company or team or journeys through this, right? And I felt that, you know, I, I've got to throw my lot in, you know, this, 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 this industry has given, uh, you know, me so much in terms of exposure to the world, met so many wonderful people as well. And why not give it a shot and say that, you know, what can we do in this moment of uh, crisis that nobody's experienced before? And it became clear in my mind that no matter what happens, you know, the thing is that this, we've got to come together. Right, be it virtually or physically, whatever. The, the fact is that this industry was born on the basis of relationships. It has existed on the basis of relationships and it will continue to exist on the basis of relationships in the future. Because those relationships form the collectivism, right, that is evidenced, right, in the outcomes of 
innovation, making things happen at, at an airport is the sum total of individuals coming together and relating and expressing that in such a powerful way. And I wanted to make sure that at least I could, you know, uh, do my, my part, right, in terms of, uh, you know, and, and uh, helping people come together again. Um, and I'm glad that Khan is going to take place, a mini version of Khan this year for all the reasons. But, you know, I asked myself a question, shall, I, shall we wait and see the full recovery materialize, then have a Khan? No, we've got a journey along, adjust, right? So that we also become relevant in, in the recovery curve. So we have a mini Khan, but people are coming together right business will restart in a physical presence you you can't i can't shake your hand right now roger i can't smell what cologne you're using right now <laughs> and here's a piece of chocolate roger yeah tell me what it tastes like you know you know what i mean uh, so so it's all about that connectivity and you know i think that's that's uh, and i wanted to be a part of it i just wanted to be a part of it to be honest with you in Jaya, I think um, without getting onto the conversation whether there should be a can or not, because it's yeah. probably the most debated topic yeah. in travel retail <laughs> in the last decade. And there's other forums for that. And I think the show must go on as the TFWA have been really clear. Yeah. But share a bit around your conviction to make that happen, because you, you you obviously must have loads of conversations and you've read loads of comments, both pro yes. and against. Talk to me a bit about, you know, your conviction around, let's do this, let's make this happen, it must go on. Yes. Because I think that's the thing that interested me the most. And I guess hearing about your um, your background, that already has partly answered the question for me, but just yes. share a bit around your thought process around uh, the show must go on. Yes. Um, I cannot have a relationship with my wife, right, if she lives on another planet yeah i cannot that physical separation is impossible to foster a relationship right over time and the show must go on the show must go on we must come together people you know uh so many people have said that you know i i i, I the virtual world has helped us right it may complement us going forward but it cannot replace the physical it cannot replace the physical and you know we've been away from each other physically as an industry for way too long now we have to come together otherwise collectively as an industry we may end up losing our relevance we may end up losing our relevance uh, we have to come together to engineer new ways uh, of doing things. One does not have a monopoly on ideas, but the collective totality of people coming together to find a new path forward and to adjust the current path, right, is more well served by coming together. So all these things, when you add it up, you know, I, I think... Um, I think isolation, uh, isolation causes despair. And there's a thing called industry despair because history has taught us that industries have come and gone. 
So we must come together to reinvent, to innovate again, to understand what changes have to be made and to work at it collectively together. And I think, and I'm a firm believer in that, you know, at the end of the day, I don't have the answers. Roger, Martin, nobody else has the answers, but collectively, right, we can have something better, you know, you know, by sharing more. And that's where I'm coming from. All right. Well, very, very well answered, Jaya. In fact, I attended a, a, a physical face-to-face -face event last yeah. Friday. I don't know you read about it um, by your fellow association, APTRA. And it was small, of course, but it was a great gathering of about 80 people in a wow. room. Wow. Um, obviously, the situation in Hong Kong is uh, pretty good COVID-wise. Um, and, and it wasn't a few months ago. And to your point, there was a, almost a euphoria in that room about seeing each other again. These are people that live in a pretty you know, compact place of Hong Kong, would normally see each other a lot. Yeah. And many of them, fellow suppliers, members of yours, had not seen each other um, yeah. for over a year. So there's a real, really good feeling, a great buzz. And I think, I'm sure you'll get that feeling of solidarity and count. So so yeah. all, all the best with that. Thank giant. you. Thank you. Um, with an eye on the clock now, we're going to have a bit of fun. We've talked okay. some business and we've talked <laughs> values in life, but we're now going to take you off, as we do with all our guests, Jaya, to our resident desert duty-free island. Okay. I'm, going to, I'm going to give you a few things on that island uh, that are going to make your life a little more pleasant, and I'm going to get Roger to just kick off that, uh, that program. So Jaya, you get to take some music on the island, so you can have, have one album or one piece of music. Yeah. What music would you take uh, onto the island with you? You know when you get into lifts, you know, that take you up <laughs> high-rise buildings? You get this, this, this what they call, uh, I don't know what music they call it, but I call it the lift music, <laughs> okay, right? Yeah. And I would take that with me, and the reason why is because it's mindless. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> good idea. So if you're on a desert island, you're pretty mindless. So you might as well have a mindless companion. Okay. Uh, so you've got your mindless music. Yes. Um, what book would you take? I think I know the answer to this because I've yes. seen the book. Um, but what book would you take with you? I, I would take, uh, there's one book which uh, which I really, really, I, I, I read biographies, you know. Um, and, you know, uh, the first prime minister of Singapore was a gentleman called Lee Kuan Yew. And uh, uh, he transformed the nation, but it's the way he, he, he did the, the transformation, he, the way he went about doing it, which was uh, incredible because it, it brought benefits to the community. And, you know, we were a fishing village when I was born over there. And I remember open sewers and drains and everything. What we have is a first world country. And I continue to be fascinated by his vision Right, but the ability to break that vision down into digestible parts that could be implemented, right, to achieve what he has achieved. And that taught me a lot in terms of uh, making sure that if you have a vision or a purpose, right, make sure other people understand how that works and how it breaks down because collective, collectivism is so fundamental to achieving that, right? And he bettered a lot uh, people's lives. You know, yeah. and it's just tremendous. I find it really inspiring. It's about life of giving. 
and a life of serving, you know, and I think there is, for me, that really resonates in terms of, you know, the value that one can add and impact other people's lives. So I bring that book, you know, first world to third, third world to first, sorry. Yeah, extraordinary man, extraordinary story, extraordinary achievement. Now, because our desert island is rightly duty, enjoys duty-free status, yes. well, we're going to give you, I was going to say one duty-free item, but Given the sector you're in, I think you're going to, you're, I'm going to you too, because you yeah. may well want something to snack on. Um, but you can have another item as well. What would they? Okay. Um, so I get two items, right, Martin? You do. Okay. One would be my Toblerone. They <laughs> say, as you know that, Martin. But the other, yeah, the other one, right, would be an endless supply, right? of single malt whiskey. And I- Can we, can we post you which one? I'll be impartial over you. I'll be diplomatic. <laughs> Very diplomatic. <laughs> yes. You know, the reason why they have so many sides in Scotland is because each one offers a unique experience. <laughs> that is true. That is true. And so you've got your music, your lift music, you've got your book, uh, you've obviously got your duty-free items now. Now you get to host a dinner party yes. and you can pick three companions from history or modern life, uh, yeah. whatever suits you, Jaya. So who would you have? Which three people would you have at the dinner party with you? I would have uh, the, the, the couple that, uh, you know, gave me a job in a restaurant, Sam and Margaret is the first one. And... Um, you know, it's a tough one in terms of you want to keep it close to the people that have had impact in my life. I would, uh, I would have my wife. Do you still speak to Sam and Margaret? Are they still with us? Or? Um, I, Sam has sadly passed on cancer, but Margaret, I saw her a couple of years ago, and you know she's really old now. And uh, but yeah, she's she's uh, she's Chinese, and Sam was Indonesian. But you know she's um, she's a UK citizen. She's lived here for many years. Right? She's in the home, so she's a bit weak nowadays, as they say. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, I think that would be a very warm and nostalgic and emotional dinner party. Very nice, very nice one indeed. Absolutely. Uh, um, as a reward for participating <laughs> in this process, coming to our desert island. We're going to fly you somewhere, perhaps exotic, perhaps not. We're going to fly you anywhere of your choice after the show. You can bring your beloved wife, of course. Where would it be in the world and why? Um, it would be to Old Trafford. <laughs> the home of Man United, the theatre of dreams. And it's the theatre of dreams. And I think that, you know, uh, if one dares to dream all the time of the possibilities, right, in life, despite, you know, life sometimes dealing, and it always does to anybody, you know, a poor deck of cards in your hand, right? The one thing that you should never lose is uh, your, your dreams. And I would go to the theater of dreams always, apart from the fact that I'm a mad Man United fan. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, Jay, I don't know if you realise I'm from Manchester, so I, you? I did, yeah, Are I you? am. I, I didn't expect um, I didn't expect that answer, but it's a good answer. Yeah, no, it's it's just um, it represents everything that uh, you know. Uh, 
I personally actually. And you've got um, you've got your your first son back as well, Ronaldo. Yeah, he's back, and it's just yeah, a fantastic thing. And uh, I think at the end of the day, you know, this, uh, you know, I've been searching on YouTube, and you know, so many little clips you see about you know Alex Ferguson, you know, having a phone call with him. But you know, it's a fantastic thing to have because uh, the special relationship between Sir Alex and Cristiano, you know, his football father, as he calls it, you know, is just something that I think tipped the decision in that favor. But what is, you know, more importantly. You know, it, it does wonders for the fans, yeah. you know, it's just amazing how we can ignite the community again, you know, it's just fantastic. Yeah, yeah it really is. It really it'll, is. It'll ignite half the community in Manchester, John. That's true. That's true. You know, yeah. you know, did you see that clip about Pep when he was asked the question? What did uh, he say? He said, he said, oh, he was just, he was just gobsmacked, I think, because the right. rumor has it that Man City were, you know, were the favorites to secure him, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I think, I think he was gobsmacked, you know, that the United pulled the rug under his feet, as they say. <laughs> okay. Well, Jaya, may, may Manchester United go soaring back up to the top of the league again this year and, and, <laughs> and snare a whole lot of honors, domestic and European. Yeah, they've I mean, got a hell of a squad. They've invested heavily in the squad, you know, and I think that's necessary. Just needed that midfielder. So, uh, so anyway. good luck with that. The Thank very you. best of luck with, with the TFWA show in Cannes. Thank you in so much. A few weeks' time now. And just all the best in life going forward Jai. i think yeah. this story's been fantastic i mean roger and i have learned so much about you and i suspect a lot of people in the industry will have learned a lot of that Jai thing that they did i was know. fallen as they come martin i was fallen as they come <laughs> <laughs> but i believe but i believe in him <laughs> right well jaya take good care and thanks so much for being with us today thank you so thank much you, martin and roger and have a great day ahead roger i think we learned a lot of things on that program, as I mentioned a moment or two ago about Jaya Singh, that people simply wouldn't know what a fascinating life he's led. Um, and he's really contributed to our industry in a number of important ways. So I found that absolutely compelling listening. What about you? Yeah, I think big surprise for me hearing about his upbringing. It's always shows that you, uh, you never know about someone's life until you actually listen to them. Very transparent is how I would say it. Um, you know, delightfully transparent, actually, sharing about his sort of humble upbringing and the challenges actually that came with that, but also the way his faith has really, you know, delivered for him uh, with his values and how successful he's been in his life. And then when I asked him about the questions around the uh, TFWA and specifically about the, the trade show, so transparent and you can really see the drive and determination that he's brought into that role um and i do wish that you know the trade show goes fantastically well in 45 days and everything that uh, jaya set up and the team uh, uh, comes to fruition and it really is that celebration of people being together and building relationships again and driving that innovative approach for our industry because the one thing i'm clear on martin is we need it yeah, absolutely. Look, he's in a, a tough, tough uh, spot there, as is, uh, you know, the, the, the management team, John Rimmer and, and, and his team. It's not easy. I organise lots of events. They're never easy. Uh, but I can tell you they're particularly hard in the middle of a raging pandemic. So, uh, so good luck, uh, as you said. And uh, 
very well answered, I thought. You put, the, you put the right questions and he gave very good answers. So very good, Roger. Well, I, that was one of our best shows yet, I think. I look forward to seeing you next time around. But for now, from me, see you next week. See you next week.